Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles to Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24. We're just going to look at one verse today and just give a couple words and ideas behind the thrust of what the writer of Hebrews wants to say. Let me read it for us and then we'll pray. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Father in heaven, we are grateful to be a part of your family. We're grateful for the family members that we find here on a Sunday as a large group. Grateful for the members of your family, our family, when we meet together throughout the week. Father, draw us into a deeper and closer community that comes from our hearts, not from a sense of habit or obligation. May we be your family in ways that when the world sees how we relate to one another with our joys, with our difficulties, and with our failures, that they might not see us, but see Jesus and your spirit at work growing your kingdom in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today was a very beautiful week. Stefan, if you could just start me off at the first slide. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on LSD. I don't mean the drugs. But uh, this was Lakeshore Drive this week. And uh, for those of you that live there, I haven't talked to my brother yet. He lives right off of Lakeshore Drive. Very interesting scene of all those cars uh, piled up and nowhere to go. This week, um, if you're like me and you have a long driveway, the uh, shoveling was very frustrating. It took about three and a half hours just to get to a place where we could get the cars out. And I would say I probably have about 67% of my driveway shoveled. Now, remember, I have a small little snowblower. I'm shoveling. My boys are helping. But it was really encouraging to have neighbors come by who had bigger snowblowers, who did the front part and helped get started on the driveway. Well, around 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I went out with my daughter, Kaylee. We went to the park. Figured, you know, it would be really cool to go to the park. So her and I were the only two dare I say, idiots out there. And she's sinking in, and I'm having fun throwing her in and that kind of stuff. And she went down the slide. And as we're coming back to our house, one of my neighbors is outside, and, and he looks at our other neighbor's house, a single mom, and uh, we've noticed that she hasn't snowed at all. And he goes, you know, I, I think we should shovel for her. <laughs> and I wish I could say, yeah, that's a great idea. But I said, what happens if she's on vacation? <laughs> Because I didn't want to shovel anymore, and it was really high. And you know how when those guys come by from the city and they plow all that stuff up there after you've done all that work? It was really high. And, uh, and he just he kept going on this, and I really think we should do this just in case. And he encouraged me to actually get out there with him, because I, I don't use my snowblower because it's a little small little thing. But he encouraged me to get out there and do that. And as he's doing it, and I'm doing it, and his wife is helping us. One of the other neighbors came across. And it reminded me how in Chicago, how people really encourage one another and how in huge storms like this, we can all 
come together and work and help other people out. Unless, of course, you live in the city and you have those little chairs that are out there for the parking space for the dibs things. But other than that, it's really good to see when people are getting together and working together to accomplish a task. It's very encouraging. I was very encouraged that my neighbor, who really doesn't want to follow Christ, is still willing to help out other people. Well, today I want to look at this passage, and I want to look at it a little bit in a skimming manner, but in in a deeper manner as well. The writer of Hebrews says, let us, and and I think it's important because I think sometimes in churches, we often think that the people who should be doing most of the encouraging are the pastors or the elders, which are one and the same here, but the deacons or, or whoever, but their job is to be the ones who are encouraging us. But I think the person who wrote Hebrews saw it as everybody's job. It's, it's like, let us all come together. Let us think about how we can encourage one another, how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds so that the community in and of itself sees the activity of God in our lives. And those people who are outside the community see the activity of God in our lives. Now, this is what he says. He says, let us consider Uh, The idea behind consider is to actually think. Um, So I have a couple pictures here. Uh, I'm not talking about a uh, Republican agenda on Obamacare thinking. I'm not talking about thinking about intelligent design. That's a little evolutionary joke, intelligent design. Okay, never mind. Forget it. So uh, think. The idea is to consider or to think how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. And I was trying to see in terms of life pictures how you would do this. Have you ever been angry with someone? And you're just so mad at them in some way that you just want to see something bad happen to them. And you think in your mind over and over again the nice ways in which you could get even with them. Is anyone there with me on that? You consider what is it that will really fry them, that will make things even between us. That's what the idea here is to consider or to think, or as what the writer really means in a positive sense, how to think or consider how you might spur someone on to love and good deeds in the more positive sense of when you begin to like someone, how often do you think about them? You think about them all the time. You think about ways that you can run across their path and say that hello or get to know them or do whatever it is that you can in order to get into their lives. There's a lot of time spent thinking about this person that you're growing in attraction with. As we've mentioned before, it's it's kind of like when guys are getting ready to propose. They don't just show up at the girl's house one day and say, hey, I was walking past a jewelry store, bought a ring. How about we get married? What's up with that? No. A lot of us will sit there and think and consider some really cool way, which is different than anybody else has ever done, so that our future wife will go, wow, that's really neat. You considered, you really thought, you really reflected on how you might win my heart with this just one simple event. Well, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, everybody, church, I want you to continually or constantly think about how you might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So what he's saying is it's not something that we do on Sunday. It's not something that we simply do on a Wednesday or a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Friday whenever we meet in small group. 
but that throughout the entire week we are thinking about the members of our family in Christ and how is it that we can actually spur them on toward love and good deeds. Well, what does it mean to spur? Not this spur, not that spur, and not that spur either. But these spurs... And it doesn't mean like I want you to go around and wear these spurs and to your small group members and start stabbing them with your spur. But the idea here of spur, the the idea of a spur is to actually motivate someone to move a little bit faster. So if um, it's kind of like when the Kentucky Derby is, they're doing the the little baton, even though they don't use spurs anymore, because spurs are, I don't want to say inhumane. What is it? What is it for, uh, for animals? in animologists or whatever, but it's just not a good thing to spur your horse. So they use the thing to beat it with. I don't know what the difference is, but the idea is maybe this doesn't show as many marks. I don't know. But the idea is the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, guys, not just when you get together, figure out how to encourage one another, but throughout your daily living, be thinking about how you might spur or encourage one another to be better followers of Jesus. Because the spur itself motivates the animal to move faster. In the same way, there needs to be motivation in the family of Christ on how we can encourage people to follow Christ better and have that spread around. Now, what this requires is more thinking. And the reason it requires more thinking is because when you're going to spur someone on to greater action, you have to know what is actually going to encourage them. Uh, I just want to give you a little picture into... um, into my mind a little bit and how I was immature in the past. But when my wife was having our first child and we're talking about, you know, when you go into the hospital, um, you know, do you get the epidural? Do you get the drugs to come off? And I said, you know, you don't really need that. I'm just going to bring the cross of Christ. And when you're in pain, I just want you to look at the cross and recognize what you're going through is nothing compared to what he went through. Now, do you think that worked? Now, I don't think that was very encouraging. You have to know who it is and and how you're going to encourage them. Uh, Also in the first pregnancy, you know how they give you that orange drink? I guess it's for glucose or whatever it is. I've never been pregnant, so I don't know what it's for. But you're not supposed to go to the bathroom uh, after you have drunk it. I don't know. It's just get up in the morning. But she really had to go. So we're driving to the doctor's office. And I figured the way to encourage my wife is to get, you know, it's like, come on, you can do it. You can hold it. You're not supposed to go. So just do it. Because if somebody said that to me, I would hold it just to prove them that I could do it. But she was like, what is wrong with you? Well, of course, there's a lot that's wrong with me, but that's another story. But that's why I'm saying when we are thinking about how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds, you have to know what it is that is actually going to encourage that person to follow Christ even better, which is why the writer of Hebrews is saying, think about it. You know, encouragement isn't like McDonald's. You can go to McDonald's and you can get a hamburger and everybody's going to get the same thing. But it would be like going to a different restaurant, like a a wildfire or something and ordering a hamburger the way you want it to be made. You would think about it. And so we need to realize that what the writer of Hebrews here is basically saying is, listen, it's really hard to follow Jesus. It's not easy. I mean, if you were just left to yourself and you were, you're living on an island by yourself, it would still be hard to follow Jesus. But let's throw in society and let's throw in the devil and all those things. And it's really difficult. So what we really need to do is to think deeply 
reflect, consider on how we might spur or encourage one another on to love and good deeds. Which is why, in a sense, to use the term, it's very encouraging that we have this here because this catalog allows us to see what is happening in a harvest. It's the way that we can say, how can we encourage one another to take practical and visible steps in order to encourage one another within our community and the greater community in which we live in? Now, let me finish with the last slide. Kind of our snow thing. When you look at those people in back, what do you think? Don't you think, wow, that is really cool because isn't that what neighbors do? Neighbors come together, and I can remember when we were younger, we'd always push people out. In fact, after you push them out, we would do something called skeeching. Is anyone old enough to remember what skeeching is? Where you, get, you hang on to the back end of the car, and then they drive off, and then you just kind of go along? Okay, some of you. Yeah, back in the old days, you know, they're looking. If you notice in the paper today, they had the three greatest snows, and I was here for all three of them. It's kind of scary. Some of you are like, this is the first great snow I've ever seen. I've seen all three of them. Now, who cares? Look at that guy. When you see that guy, what do you think? That young strapping man should be out there. Even the girls are pushing. What's wrong with him? But you know what really scares me is a lot of us go to church this way. Hey, there's the staff. I'm sorry, I'm pointing at this and you guys can't see what I'm pointing at. Let's go backwards. There's the staff pushing the church. Man, you guys are doing a good job. Let's set aside October and have a staff appreciation. Wonderful. And here's, here's everybody else going, man, this is so much fun. Really what it should be is this is everybody. This is all of us getting together, serving one another, and serving our community. Because what Scripture says is the priesthood of believers is basically every one of us who is in Christ is not only gifted, but has been called to do something within the community that we live in and the greater community that we live in. That's the encouragement that we give to one another that spurs each other on to love and good deeds. I can remember my days at Moody Bible Institute, some of the more mature spiritual believers there would start talking about something and it would encourage me to want to do more. In fact, I remember one guy, he says, you know, I, I, I go to the prison ministries and when I go in there, <clears throat> I stand up and I say, I am a lawyer. And everybody's like, wow, he's a lawyer. That's really cool. So because, you know, he can help me with my case and I can get out early and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then he disappoints me because he goes, I'm a lawyer for God. And I am here to set you free. And they're like, all right, cool. But free from sin. And they're like, oh, man, what's up with this? But when I heard that story, I was like, man, I want to share my faith just like that guy. And so when we hear when other people are serving, it encourages us. And when we're all serving in some way, shape, or form, people get more encouraged to serve. In fact, this Friday in one of our group, and I won't embarrass our group member, but we were talking about her in the way that she welcomes people. And she said that when people encourage me that I'm doing well in welcoming people to our church, I want to do it more. And that's the thrust of this passage. Let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Your serving encourages other people to serving as we share the stories of what God is doing through our serving. Well, let's hop into our table time. Do we have the questions or do I not have the questions to do that? And here's two questions that we want you to look at. They're kind of wordy. Believe it or not, I wrote these, so I am a little worried, worried in these. But the first one is reflecting on your gifts, passions, abilities, 
personality and life experiences describe the person that God has shaped and molded you into today. In other words, if you, you kind of know who you are. And look at that and say, hey, this is who I think God has made me to be. God has is, is kind of given me, as someone was mentioning, a, a, a passion for justice issues. Helping out widows, helping out orphans, helping out places where people just are experiencing all kinds of oppression. And I have that kind of passion. So if you're someone like that, this is who God has made me to be. Now, once you know who you are, then let us, after sharing your thoughts, what would you consider to be your next step? Or how can we challenge one another to take our next step in serving God, his kingdom, and other people? So once you know who you are and the people around you are like, yeah, yeah, that's who you are. Even if they don't know you, but maybe they can catch that. But what's your next step? Because we don't want to be here today and go, hey, this is really nice. I'm encouraged. I'll be more encouraging. That's not good enough. What is your next step? What is the next thing you need to do in order to fulfill the call that God has on your life? And then begin to share those stories with people as we see what God is doing in your lives and through your ministry. Okay? All right. So uh, turn into your groups. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.